Hello and welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV show podcast. I'm Dom. And I'm Simon. And tonight's movie for debate is 1992's My Cousin Vinny. So welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV show podcast where it's always 10.30 at night. It's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in. As tonight's movie for debate is my cousin Vinny. Simon, how the devil are you, my friend? I'm very good. I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, good. I'm really excited to talk about this film. I can see the poster in the background behind you. It's looking beautiful. It's nicely framed. Is that the main movie poster? It looks awesome. I think so. Yeah, I think it is. It's not like a... It might... Well, I think it's a print. I'm pretty sure it's a print. I don't know. The The multiplicity one behind me is an original, like, from the cinemas from back in the 90s. But I think this one is a print. But, yeah, I didn't have that done for this episode of the podcast. It was <laughs> just sat to the left of me. Um, but, yeah, I, I love this movie so much. It's such a favourite. I'm really excited to talk about it. I wanted to start by asking you a simple question. Mm. And that is... What are you, a fucking world traveller? <laughs> There's so many great lines in this. It's just like unbelievably just fantastic. Just the cultural differences, like people from the same country that are so far apart. It's so good. I can't wait to like really dive in deep and, and talk about it as, as much as we can in the time that we've got. But yeah, How's, how how was it re-watching it? How, how did you find that experience? When was the... The last time you watched it other than recently uh and can you remember the first time you saw this film i yeah this film's never left me because i mu- i honestly must have seen it i'd made 30 40 times <laughs> I, I watched it twice in the last like three days uh well watched it once and listened to it so for anyone for people that listen to podcasts which are you people that are listening to this right now <laughs> Like myself, who enjoy audio-based things, items, platforms, files <laughs> to listen to while you're doing chores, walking the dog, at work, whatever it may be. I also enjoy listening listening to movies that I know really well. And My Cousin Vinny is a great example of one to listen to without having to watch it, especially if you know the film well, because... You know, so much of it is dialogue. I mean, pretty much all of it is dialogue. There isn't that much action. I mean, there are there are some action points, but most of it is, you know, conversations. And on it's streaming on Disney Plus at the moment, and I think probably forever, right? If Disney own own the rights, then they're not like licensing it. They just have it forever. On the app on your phone, you can if you download it. I think also if you were just streaming it, but you can download the file so it's in your Disney Plus app and then click play and then lock your phone and then you can just click play again like as if it's, you know, your music or a podcast and then you've just got the audio <laughs> and it's great. I love it. So I've probably listened to my cousin Vinny like four or five times, probably seen it about 30 times. I've listened to the director's commentary about a year ago. I probably watch it about probably two yeah probably twice a year easily uh the first time i watched it so this came out in 1992 so it was when we were five i did def- i definitely didn't watch it when i was five but probably 
going towards the late 90s I feel like when I was about 10 or 11 I watched it and as you'll remember Dom in my parents house the house I grew up in there was like a behind the tv there was like a sort of an alcove of space and my dad filled it with VHS videotapes which as we all remember you know quite chunky and you can track it in like family pictures and photographs through the photo albums like what sort of year it is within the 90s by how high the stack of the videotapes are and like towards the end the whole wall was filled and I remember that as we say in our podcast where it's always 10 30 at night I was always told that 10 30 half 10 was time that I had to go to bed but I could take a film to watch in bed <laughs> saying it back that is parenting in the 90s (laughs) i don't even know if we're going to be allowed to put a tv in my son's room until he's like way older but anyway i was allowed to get some snacks from the sweet cupboard which would usually be a big pack of doritos maybe a can of coke a half 10 at night and then i would go upstairs and i would well firstly i'd grab a video from my dad's wall and it'd be like jenga you'd grab one from the bottom and they'd all sort of slide to fill the gap from the top and there's just some iconic films in there my dad i like to think still does did then and still does have really great taste in movies and my cousin Vinny was there and things like Terminator 2, all the Terminators, all the lethal weapons, you know, Predator, Aliens, you know, all of those kind of movies. But then also things like uh, Planes, Trains and Automobiles, uh, My Cousin Vinny, which I mean, they're completely different, but they kind of fit in that genre of a 90s drama that's also a comedy, mm. uh, Back to the Future, those kind of classics. And I just remember watching it on my own, I think. And loving it, loving it at like at 10 or 11. And I've just loved it the entire way through. I definitely was familiar with Joe Pesci, of course, from Home Alone um, later in life. No, from Goodfellas and Lethal Weapon as as well. Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Um, And I loved him. I loved him. I also uh, I believe I knew that Ralph Macchio was the Karate Kid. Though when I watched The Karate Kid uh, during lockdown, I felt like I was watching it for the first time, but I'm pretty sure I knew it was him. I I don't know. But I loved it, absolutely loved it, have loved it ever since. Uh, It it is pretty much a perfect film to me. We'll get into those bits in a minute. Sorry, (laughs) talking too much. Dom, those are my memories. Dom, what is your memory? What is your history with My Cousin Vinny? When was the last time you watched it besides this recent viewing? I mean, besides this recent viewing, like a long time ago, I, I actually can't remember when I last saw the film, but I, I just know that I love it. And I, I love it because like the first time I would have watched it would have been at home. It would have been on TV. We wouldn't have had the video um, for it. Uh, it would have been on like again, probably Channel 4 in the evening. You know, my dad would have been watching it um, because my, my dad loves like stupid comedy right and this is like smart stupid comedy because he just nothing can go right for him nothing goes right for Vinny and so on and so on and so on so it's kind of got that um sort of like Mr Bean element to it without the slapstick do you know what I mean where something doesn't go right for someone all like continuously but it's it's so good I I just remember loving this film I've seen it like a fair few times 
but never like revisited it never gone oh, i'm gonna stick that on or put that on it's not a film that I've, I've ever picked out and gone yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna watch that the alcova videos i have a question mm-hmm. uh well i have two questions well i have a question and then a guess so don't tell me the answer if if the answer to the first question is yes the question is in the alcova videos was there a poster on the wall um, I, great. In, it's a great in, question. In my memory, because mm-hmm. you had beautifully, I'm pretty sure beautifully like wallpapered walls, right? In the well, room. In the room. N- 90s wallpapered walls. I don't know if right? they'd hold up today, but yes. <laughs> but at the time, beautifully wallpapered walls, right? And mm-hmm. you had your alcove in the corner with it, like behind the TV, like you said, full mm-hmm. of videos. Like, I mean, it was taller than we were because well, everything's taller than me anyway, but even taller than you because <laughs> it was higher. Same height. But I have this memory of there being a poster in that alcove, like mm. behind the videos. Mm. And, and I think I, that's true. I don't know whether it's like whether it's like Mandela effect. I've just convinced myself it was there and it never really was because I'm remembering somewhere else where this poster was or if there actually was one. And to me, the poster was of the Terminator, possibly Terminator mm. 2. I, I, I th- that might be wrong, but I'm sure mm. there was a poster there. But I can't. No, I think, I think you're... You're you're right, almost. Right. So I think what was there was I drew, uh, like when I was a kid, I drew the cover of Terminator 2. You know where he's got like the glasses on? Yeah. Like he's got the big glasses on and he's on the motorbike. I like drew it, but I didn't like trace it, but it was kind of like, it was kind of like traced. I just like copied it. And like coloured it in, um, and my mum framed it, and I think put it on there. But it wasn't very right. big. It was probably like, well, no, no, it would been A4. It would probably wouldn't have been like a A4 piece of paper. My mum framed it, and I think it was leaning on the videos until it got too high. I think was, that's what it was. Like, let's buy some more videos so we can hide that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. That's probably not too... That I actually remember that wasn't too bad because I had like... I mean, I was like 10 or 11 or something, but I had kind of just copied it. Um, yeah. So it was kind of... It's not like I freehand did it. But when I met Ephany, um, I was like, oh yeah, no, I can draw, thinking I could. Like, just... Not even like, like, not even that I was lying. I actually believed that I could draw. <laughs> and so we were like, oh, we were both working at a college at that point. And so we had access to free, uh, like, evening classes. So we were like, oh, we should do a, like a life drawing class together. Mm. Um, you know, it'd be fun. And I was like, okay, yeah, of course. And so we went and did it. And Ethany can actually draw really well. Like, we've got like paintings and stuff she's done here that's really good. Uh, multi-talented i was drawing a naked lady who's this naked elderly lady um and just giving up her 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 early evening you know and i she came round part way through put the robe back on and went to look at everyone's canvases and i was like oh it's really good oh like we're done with the shadows there and whatever and got to mine and she was just like oh because I'd basically drawn her like a Simpsons character because that's <laughs> all I could do. I was so embarrassed. And it was that point I was like, oh, I have no talent for drawing at all. So it's probably my mum seeing my previous attempts at drawing was like, oh, this one's okay. Maybe he make a big deal out of this one. This yeah. is all we've got. <laughs> Fucking frame it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then my dad was like, 
yeah, I'm going to go to Blockbuster and get a couple more X rentals. Let's cover that up. <laughs> yeah, let's just fill up that fill up that gap right now. Yeah, that might even be like behind some plaster now. Like someone's left it up on a yeah. wall. Like one day someone will like knock a wall down and it will be there. It will just be mm-hmm. looking at them. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just had this vision that there was a, pe- a poster there or some, some sort of image picture there and it was a Terminator. And I couldn't, mm. re- I couldn't remember why. I didn't know whether it was a post or not. So I thought I'd, I'd ask. Okay. And funny enough, I thought about that earlier today, and that was in my head earlier today. And I wanted to ask you, but then you mentioned it, so it was like the perfect opportunity. <laughs> Do you know what's also lost from maybe a few years after that time when uh, Pokemon cards became a thing, right? Yeah, uh, were absolutely massive. I um. I got a whole set. Like, I was really into it. It took me ages. You'd go to school and trade them and whatever. I got a whole set, and I sold it. I found it in my parents' garage, the whole folder, the whole set, and I sold it for a couple hundred pound on eBay mm. a few years ago, which was a mistake. I should have just put that in a cupboard. And, just hold it. And just given that to my son to sell in, like, a hundred years and see if what it's worth then. I mean, who knows? I don't know. But... Uh, we we got a card, a Charizard, which was like the rarest one to get at the time, and it was uh, a first edition misprint. I just got it in the pack. It wasn't like traded for it or anything, and so it had the first edition stamp on it, but it had been like misprinted, so it was like uh, just like a black dot instead of having the first edition in it. And I was like, oh wow! Like when we like showed someone at some like. I don't know, like trading card store or whatever, and they're like, "Oh yeah, hold on to that." Like misprints are worth loads of money and whatever. Hmm. And then a few years ago, I saw on uh, Porn Stars, P A W N <laughs> Stars, uh, someone had like a misprinted like Charizard, and it sold for like a hundred grand. I'm not joking, right? It sold for like a hundred grand. I was like, I literally grabbed my phone and was like, "Dad." where is that card because we specifically put it in like a uh we maybe you'll remember this as well on the other side of the living room there was like a a dresser kind of cabinet and it was like very 90s like wooden and there'd be like display plates at the top that no one would ever touch yeah just there getting dust with a couple random like goblet cups that also never get touched and a bit of silver that was given to my parents when i was born with a little ingrid never touched just in the dresser right <laughs> yeah and they got put in there like oh we best keep that for safekeeping and my parents my parents literally like tore their flat apart then where they live now which is like five properties on from that one and it's just gone, man. It's just gone. It's just vanished. But I'm really hoping one day it would just show up. Yeah. Can you imagine? Just find it. There's a hundred grand. Jesus. Yeah, well, I hope you do find it because that is insane. <laughs> like it's actually like bo- like boggled my mind. I was like, have I just made that up? Did that did that actually even happen? I had like spoken to my dad about it. It's like you remember, right? It misprinted on the thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, where's my fucking money? <laughs> you owe me a hundred grand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just send yeah, exactly. send your dad a bill for a hundred grand and be like, you pay up. You owe me. I'd know. I also would never swear at my dad. I actually swore <laughs> not at my dad on the phone. I was like frustrated about something at work. And I was like, you know, they just don't fucking do anything. And he was just like, excuse me. And I was like, yeah, sorry, sorry, dad. <laughs> 36, but yeah, yeah. Sorry for being 36 and not allowed to swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But sorry, way off point. Uh, so yeah, so what, you, right. So you remember, so you watched 
you watched it as a kid, blah, 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 and you've seen it, you know, a lot recently, you hold it in high regard. Oh yeah, this is this film is is brilliant. It's 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 up there. It's definitely up there. It's not. I wouldn't say it's in my like top ten, but it's certainly close. You know, it's it's such a good film. Really well done. Really well acted. Just funny, and the the just the cultural differences in it that that they display even in the early nineties. You know, um, but just between these two New Yorkers that that have you know all glam and glitz and stuff and or trying to give that impression um in a town in are they in alabama Mm -hmm. like a a small town in alabama that they just don't give a shit about that sort of thing you know and that's the the kind of characters they are and very sort of small local town one thing i would like to mention though is we might mention it in a minute but did you notice that so we're um anyone who's listening we're about to like after we finished doing my cousin Vinny, we're going to cover Armageddon. And did you see mm-hmm. the the link between the two films? No. There's, there's an actor that's in both films. Funny enough. What? Don't yeah. wait. Don't tell me. Like, yeah. What that has like a like a big part in Armageddon. He has a big enough part for you to know who he is. This guy is the 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 type of guy that's in everything. He's in everything. I mean, like, he's in Apollo 13. He's, like, honestly, like, the list goes on. He's in so much stuff. Like, and still active now. But, I mean, he's in loads of stuff. I think he's still active now. What? It's such, like, a small cast in My Cousin Vinny. How can I not be getting this? I'm going to really kick myself, aren't I? Okay, tell me. So, you know when, um, uh, what's her name? Mona. Mona? Liv Tyler's character. Oh, you mean... No, 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 um, I mean in My Cousin Vinny. Yeah, um, Vita. Yeah. <laughs> I lost it, Miss Vita. <laughs> um, yeah, she, Mona, it's Mona, yeah. You know when she plays Paul and she loses $200? Yeah. The guy she loses $200 to is in no Armageddon. Way. Yeah. Well, he's not as as who? Uh, you, know, um, you know Billy Bob Thornton in Armageddon? Yeah. He's yeah. like... Right hand man. No way. No, yeah. I would never have. I would never have noticed that. And you'd re- you'd recognize him as well because I mean this guy is actually just in everything, and he is the sort of guy where you look at him and you think, oh fuck me, yeah, is he is. Let me get his name is Chris Ellis. Let me just let me share. L- like I'll send the link to you because I, I can't share my screen, but, but you can it open is it. Mon- it's, it is Mona Lisa Vito. Oh my god! I don't know what this is doing, but click on the link I've just sent you, and you'll see a picture of him. And you're oh yeah, him. that's crazy. He's yeah, in well, both. I, I totally recognise him now from Armageddon, like this, but wouldn't have recognised him from my cousin Vinny. That's so funny. yeah. Like, because I, I haven't seen Armageddon for a long time. I'm watching it. I watched it today, but obviously we'll get there. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> there's that. That is the connection to both films. <laughs> anyway, there you, there you go. go. You found it. Chris Ellis. Well, can I tell you a couple bits? This isn't even trivia that I had to look up. These are just bits that I know from, like, just loving this film. And just, I also just think, I said about probably watching this about 10 10 or 11. I reckon I watched it earlier. I reckon I was watching it about 9. Like, honestly, it, it goes that far back. And what I was thinking is, this film didn't just hold my attention as a child. I loved it. 
And I don't know, would the youth of today, and maybe this is me being, uh, you know, a grumpy old man now, would they be a, would they watch a movie like this? You know, in the in the world of Instagram reels and YouTube shorts, where you know content is like ten seconds, would the, would a nine ten year old watch a drama comedy like this? I don't think parents, for for one, are, are that liberal oh, yeah. <laughs> any, yeah. anymore to allow their kids to to watch something like this. But this film, like the content of this film, isn't like isn't too bad. I mean, I think they talk about they talk about the death sentence, this gas chamber sort of stuff, isn't there? Uh, electric chair stuff, sorry. Um, and there's quite a bit of swearing, so I actually think probably not. In this day and age, I think it would like parents would very quickly be like, you're not watching that. Um, but would it hold the attention of, let's say, an early teen? Let's Definitely, say 12, yeah. 12 to 13, 12 to 15, that kind of age. Do you think they'd love it? It'd be something that they'd get into and enjoy? I think so. I mean, even to connect it to like Home Alone, to Joe Pesci, you know, being in that too. I mean, especially the first Home Alone is pretty slow build you know like all of the action points that everyone sort of remembers when you're a child of all of the um not pranks what would you call them the traps and everything that he sets it all happens in the last like half an hour of the movie the first hour and and a bit is all like a slow build up um mm. and that all that held that holds kids attention still today i would imagine so maybe I i'm a yeah, maybe I'm underestimating the youth of today. Or oh, sorry, the youths of today. The youths, yeah. <laughs> Had to get that in as well. That's like that that scene alone as well just shows the the differences in understanding between people that are from like again, the same country, but it's just like they're worlds apart from each other. They live very different lives, very sort of different uh expectations as well. You know, he doesn't even turn up to court with a suit on. He's in his, like, his big trousers, um, his, you know, funky shirts, his leather jacket. And it's like, Mr. Gambini. And it's just not good <laughs> enough. Like, every time it's like, Mr. Gambini. It's just <laughs> all, like, as soon as, like, whenever I think of the film, that's that's what I hear straight away is just the, the judge all the time. So good. The judge is so good. I mean, we'll talk, we'll talk about all of that in a minute. All I can hear now is... And that suit better be made of some sort of cloth. (laughs) (laughs) But let me tell you a couple of um, like trivial, not trivial, trivia points uh, that I think you'll find interesting. So one is we've got William Gambini or Billy Gambini being played by Ralph Macchio. And then his friend, um, I'm blanking on his name, but... Hang on, Wolfenstein is what's coming to my head. Uh, Stan, Mitch- Stan Rothenstein. Yeah, sorry. Steen, yeah. I was going for his real name. Yeah, well, Mitchell Whitfield. Yeah, yeah. So he, that character, at one point, I'm not sure if like this person was cast, like this other actor was cast, or if it was like a casting choice, but at one point before he was cast, it was like close to being... You want to take a guess? Who is going to be the plucky prison psychic? Is it someone big? Is it big, like big it's, time? It's big. someone that's, yeah, someone that's like went transcended to A-list, like fully A-list. What, like a Hanks? 
yeah that kind of level for sure like the highest level you could get really oh I don't know but they oh. weren't they weren't at this level in 1992 but they were right at that time getting there they were yeah they were becoming known gonna have to pass no idea Will Smith really yeah and now imagine how different that would have been and some of the you know when Leia is like they've got the clan down here and you know all <laughs> of those things like it would have added a a different a different element to it um but yeah will will smith wow did, did he turn it down or, or is that the sum of your knowledge no, I'm, not, I'm not sure yeah it, it just it didn't happen i don't know if like it was that they went to him or there was a scheduling conflict or or whatever but yeah obviously it didn't happen but awesome. at some point he was connected to to that role but you know who i thought uh well firstly the guy that that plays him so mitchell whitfield is great and he has some of the best like line deliveries and things of the film you know my God, that's a big ego you've got. You know, all <laughs> of those kind of lines. But you know who I thought would have a similar delivery and a similar kind of persona would uh, was Matthew Perry, particularly at that time. I think he would have played that really well as well. Yeah, he would have been like a good like age for it as well because he, he looked really young. Like at the beginning of Friends, he looks really young, doesn't he? So he would have been like, he would have fit that role quite nicely because they're going, the whole point of it is that they're driving to university, aren't they? Are they mm-hmm. like have they heading towards California? Like sort of. Yeah, I think it's in U- L A. Maybe. Yeah, to UCLA. They've got scholarship to UCLA, so they're going to go and like check it out. And they thought it'd be a nice drive to go through the country. Yeah, and little did they know that they'd get arrested for murder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, wait. Well, so wait. Before we get there, the director um, is British, and um, this movie is so accurate to how the uh the law and trials and everything actually works that is even quoted in law books jesus yeah so mo- most movies that that happen that are you know depicting trials and and all those kind of things i mean a movie that we've that we covered at Christmas, uh, Miracle on 34th Street. You know, I mean, when you've got trials <laughs> and stuff like that, I mean, I, and like in uh, Big Daddy and stuff, and, you know, there's the trial. I'm sure as much as we, I love those movies, I'm sure that that's not accurate to how, the, you know, the actual process would happen. But lots of uh, lawyers and attorneys came out saying how amazingly accurate this movie is to the judicial process i think i missed a syllable did i miss a syllable no you're good (laughs) you say it you say it judicial process yeah that so i think that's really cool and um you know the guy that when when uh oh god sorry my mind's going all over the place when gambini goes to when Vinny goes to get the money off of the guy that stiffed uh, Mona, and there's a extra next to the, next to him that just takes the whole chicken off of the bone, yeah, like the, does it like menacingly. That extra just came up to the director and was just like, "I have a talent to be able to do this," and showed him doing it. I was like, "Would you like me to do it on screen?" He was like, "I definitely would." Please <laughs> go stand over there and do that. So, and my final point, I'll just one more and then I'll end it, is that 
Ralph Macchio was going on a bit of a decline from uh, the Karate Kid. He was a bit feeling a bit pigeonholed and typecast. And he put himself on tape for this role. And the director loved him, loved it, thought it was great, cast him, and then found out he was the Karate Kid. He cast him with no knowledge that he, who he was, he was a Karate Kid. He was just the best audition, the best person for it. And Ralph Macchio says that this is like one of the favorite, one of the his most favorite projects that he's ever done. Like he really loves this movie. He calls it the late for dinner movie because if it's on TV, you're going to be late for dinner because you're going to sit down and finish it. Yeah, too right. Yeah, absolutely. This is like, I'll be there. I'm going to be half an hour late because, you know, the rest of my cousin Vinny's on. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. Well, well Dom, I'd like to I'd like to do a little something with you that we haven't done before. Um, but Ooh. I think I think it's time because this movie starts with the opening credits with the boys driving their... What car is it? A 1964? Yeah, it's either four or three. Three. Yeah. Three. Buick. Buick. Skylark. Something. I don't have no idea. I think it's a Buick Skylark. Lime green. Mint mint green. Mint green, not lime green. With what kind of top? Convertible. And what color is it? Mint green. And white, and white, white um, top. What kind of t- what kind of tires? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> Michelin R seventy identical. But as they're going in, there's this song playing, and it got so stuck in my head. I've just been listening to it on repeat. And so what I'd like to do is I'm going to sing a verse of it. And then when I point to you, I'd like you to do the harmony behind me. So, for example, when I say, way down south, you would then behind me say, way down south. But like just on the end. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. So, ready? We're driving mm-hmm. in our mint green. What is it? What car? Buick. Mm-hmm. Skylark. <laughs> 1963 or 4, we're not sure. Some sort of transmission that does something. <laughs> Get out of the highway, heading down to my way, passing everything inside. I push it to the max, getting ready to relax, cause it's gonna be a Saturday night. I know a place just over the hill. If you wanna have a good time, you will. Way down south. Way down south. Just across the border. Just across the border. Way down south. Way down south. Don't need no law and order. Don't need no law and order. Once you get down there, then you'll know. Way down south is the way to go. Put so much into that, Dom, and I really don't think you pulled through. I I was expecting a point every time, and you didn't point every time. You know how Elton John can play the piano and sing at the same time? (laughs) What we found out is I can't sing and point at the same time. (laughs) You are no Elton John. I I I think you're better, though, at singing. Well, now I'm going to put the music under that, and it's really going to pop. (laughs) when i edit it's gonna pop in the edit nice okay talk us through it so they're driving through the south and tell us about 
the confusion that happens that leads to this whole situation happening? Well, the two lads, uh, we got Billy and uh, what did we say his name was? Uh, Stan. Stan. Billy and Stan uh, on their way to college, university, uh, for those of us over here. And they, they're in a shop. They've got a very specific amount of items that they, they can buy because they're on a very tight budget. It's like 22 items, is it? Like a dollar each, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe a bit less. Uh, and that's what they've got to spend. On. They, I think they spend just over $22 or something like that. And as they're going around, they're picking stuff up and uh, Billy decides that he wants a can of tuna. Uh, but Stan's like, no, no, don't get tuna, you know, whatever. But he, the, you know, and they're deciding whether to, to, to buy like the regular stuff or, you know, the, the stuff they don't re- recognize. But it's the same thing, just in a different can and so on and so on and so on. It's a good moment. It's quite funny. They're, they're deciding, you know, what kind of beans to buy, basically. <laughs> um, you know, would you buy Heinz or would you buy, you know, the, the shop's own brand that's that's kind of the, the question isn't it Heinz we're going Heinz aren't we we're going for the branded goods because we know what it is we know what's in the can we can trust it but he picks up a can of tuna his hands are full he didn't have a basket you know didn't have some, like some sort of receptacle to be able to put the items in his hands yeah. are full so he picks up the can of tuna and pops it in his pocket anyway they get to the counter they're paying for the stuff they just like they bag it up they get it in the car and they start driving away as they're driving away down the road billy realizes he's still got the can of tuna in his pocket and hasn't paid for it and this is where stan starts to immediately like and he's the perfect kind of actor isn't he to 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 freak out about something pretty minor it's quite minor like the the shopkeeper didn't notice um or the guy at the 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 store like is it like a petrol station as well it's like kind of a bit of both yeah 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 and they call him the clerk i shot the clerk (laughs) the clerk the the shop clerk um doesn't hasn't really paid any attention i think probably would have said hey what about the thing you just put in your pocket and they would have paid for it but anyway they're driving down the road they're like freaking out about it a little bit and billy's like it'll be fine it'll be fine don't worry about it and then all of a sudden he sees a police car in his rearview mirror and he's just like just don't panic just don't panic and I, I think at that point he probably shouldn't have told Stan just keep going but it's probably right that he did tell him because of what happens next is that the police car then suddenly turns on its lights and siren and stops them and they're like oh god like all this for like a can of tuna like how ridiculous and then the deputy that stops them or the police officer that stops them is pointing a shotgun at them and is like or is gun whatever and it's like right get out of the light show me your hands get out of the car and and makes them get out of the car and they're both arrested kind of thinking that it's because of this can of tuna and a perfect depiction again i my one of my favorite moments which i'm really curious to how you what you're going to say to this because i was thinking about this earlier when i was walking luna and thinking I feel a certain way about this. I wonder how Dom feels. I bet. I wonder if he's going to feel either very passionately in agreement with me, or actually going to be in agreement with the the companies that are providing this service. But the clerk brings up all of the items, and then it's like oh, one burrito and one large slush. And he passes Billy the slush, and Billy looks at it, and there's like you know a good like. 20 25% missing and he's like can you fill this up and then begrudgingly he like fills it up now i've had this happen to me so many times when particularly in pubs mm. when i'll say usually what i want is just a pint of coke 
and I don't want a piece of li- a lime or lemon in it, or I don't want any ice in it either because it gets filled with ice and it, the ice clunk on you like your teeth and whatever. <laughs> and then it, and if you leave it for a while, it waters down the coke, and the coke the coke comes out of the fountain or you know the coke gun or whatever. It comes out cold anyway, right? I just want the pint of coke. So I always say. Can I get a pint of Coke, please? No ice. And they'll just press the machine and it comes. And there's like a good 25 to 30% missing because the machine's set to do it with like a, with all of the ice in it. Now, I've let this go. I let this go now. But one time, I think it might have even been with you like way back in the day. But we were at the Speckled Hen. Uh, so I'm guessing it had to have been with you um where you know you famously attend your weekly music quiz mm-hmm. and uh i asked for a coke a pint of coke with no ice and it came with that massive gap in it and i was just like oh excuse me do you mind filling this up please and they're like that's just how it comes and i was like what do you mean like there's like a, so much of the drink missing and they're like well that just is how it is and i was like all right well then i don't want it then um and, uh, and they're like, okay, I'll just do it. And then they just filled it up. And I was like, like I, but I kind of felt like the dick. So I just never <laughs> did it again. So if I've ever been given it and been shortchanged that amount of drink, I just put up with it because I don't, I hate that feeling of feeling like I'm being a dick when actually all I'm asking for is what I've asked for. Now that's my view. What's yours? I'm nervous to hear it. Well, there's a couple of things I'd like to say about this. One is fucking fill up the glass. Yeah. Pieces of shit. Like that costs the pub fucking nothing. But the reason they do it is because obviously there's a preset button. They Mm -hmm. that goes to, you know, where it says Coke along the glass, like Coca-Cola. It fills to kind of like that level just above the writing or like on top top of where the writing is. And they don't Mm -hmm. fill up the rest. And it's a good like inch of Coke Mm -hmm. missing. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Fill it up. And I've had this situation as well in the same pub. And I've said, yeah, and the rest, please. Yeah. And, they, and they've topped it up. They just did it. Yeah, I think you've just got to be a bit of a dick about it. But um, like, so this is how they get you. Because if it's a, if you say, can I have a pint of this? Right. And they give you some missing off the top. You say, if I ordered a pint of that, you'd fill up the glass. So what's the difference? That's the mm. argument. Right. So that's where yeah. I'd go with that argument. But... Their get-out-of-jail-free card is that it's called a large Coke. It's not called a pint of Coke. So they're giving you a a larger glass and they're filling it up to a certain level, which is a larger volume of liquid, which is bullshit. And obviously they put a fuckload of ice in it, like you said. But if you're not having the ice and stuff like that, I mean, even if you are having the ice, fill it to the fucking top. You know, I've still got to pay three quid for it or whatever it is now, you know, 245 or something stupid like that. So... Hey, I F and I. Where did we go? We went. We walked like you can walk through the woods to like really nice walk to a pub, um, near where we live, and we did it with uh our dog and our son at the weekend the other day. It was really nice, good walk. Got there, and since COVID, you order on the app right at from with the QR code. So I ordered the drinks and I ordered, and you're right, I never even thought of it. I never clocked it. Bastards. It's not a pint of Coke. Yeah, a large Coke. And so I ordered it. Um, it came short because I said no ice, no garnish. And um, <laughs> but it was £4.05p. Jesus. 
for a Coke. Like, I can't, you know, I'm not, like, this is the, right, I can't, <laughs> I'm very lucky that, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all right, I'm, all, I'm okay with money, but it does, it still doesn't make it any better. Like, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. I could, be, I could have, like, a billion pounds if you charge me four pounds for a Coke, you know, and that's because we grew up, it, we, we grew up with alcoves of videotapes, you know, with Terminator, <laughs> like, know what four pound costs. Like, I remember when we were 18, um, like a pint of Stella ugh, <laughs> was like two pound fifty. A ten pound note would get you four pints. Yeah. You'd be wasted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When, whenever we go to the pub, whoever buys the first round, because there's four of us that go, whoever buys the first round always has the most expensive round. Because there's two of us that drive, so two of us might have a have a part. I don't always have. I like have one to yeah, yeah. yeah, like a shandy or something like that, you know. But whoever has the first round has the most expensive round, but, and it's always about twenty five quid. And there's only four of us. It's crazy. It's crazy money. Who are the other two people? And do you and how do they are they trying to creep in on my friendship? No, they're not at the same level. That's all I needed to know. They're they're not then knowing it. That's all I that's all I needed to know. That's <laughs> all I needed. Just a quick <laughs> check. Okay, so again, uh, what? How did you find like the comedy of? Um, I mean, it's perfect. It's great, isn't it? The they think it's for robbery of the tuna, and because the whole system's backward and incestuous <laughs> and whatever. Um, but yeah. What did you think of that, of like the misunderstandings? Yeah, so when they're in the sheriff's office and they're being interrogated, essentially, and asked to con- confess their crime, they're, they're quite, Billy's quite happy to just open up and be like, well, yeah, I did it. I did because they're under the assumption that they're there because they stole a can of tuna. And uh, when they're talking to Stan, it's like, oh, so you knew he did it? And he's like, well, I knew he did it afterwards. Uh, and there's just all this confusion about it. It's like, so you, so you knew he did it afterwards, but then you did nothing about it. It was like, oh, come on, you know, what was I supposed to do? We were already in the car, we were driving away, you know, and so on and so forth. And it's just like, well, now you're an accessory. Like an accessory, an accessory to, yeah. you know. But no one at any point says, to stealing a can of tuna. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, just fucking say it. Just say you stole a can of tuna <laughs> then and there and you'll probably be all right. But like, I mean, they probably wouldn't as well. They'd probably just be like, well, that's bullshit. But um, it's when he, the sheriff says, um, uh, when, when he says for for murdering the, the clerk or whatever, or shooting the clerk, and he's like, oh, you shot the clerk. He's like, I shot the clerk. And he repeats it, but he repeats it in shock. Like, I shot the clerk but because he says I shot the clerk it's like there's your confession thanks very much okay we got it we've got you now and it's just like no and and I bet it fucking happens all the time (laughs) yeah well I mean I'm sure you know if we ever spoke to Magda about this I mean we try not to initiate conversations with her Um, but (laughs) if we did Magda we know that you'd know all of this stuff from your true crime podcasts all the crimes that she's committed Got away with. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, did you watch um, Making a Murderer when that came out on Netflix? You must. Have, everyone yeah. did. Like, like his is it his little brother that or his cousin that the guy that they ba- he basically got coerced into giving a confession. Like, and and he potentially has like learning disabilities and stuff. Yeah. 
Like I know there's all the different theories and whatever. I mean, to me, it felt like he didn't he didn't do it. I mm. don't know about Stephen Avery, but I didn't. It felt like he didn't do it, but it felt like he was just coerced into. He just wanted to get home to watch WrestleMania. Wasn't that the thing? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say anything and sign anything so I can leave and go home. Yeah, and I, I think that's quite often the the promise, isn't it? You know, it's, it'll be better for you if you just kind of confess, and if they're not like able to to kind of comprehend things easily or they're not quite um understanding things and, and it's not explained to them clearly or they don't have someone there supporting them with it they just kind of go along with it and be like yeah sure okay i'll confess and i, I think that's the scary dangerous part is that people like you and i we would know not to say anything until we had some sort of representative there and just not say anything anyway because anything you say will incriminate you um Mm -hmm. and and unfortunately billy does exactly that he says everything that will incriminate him even though he only stole a can of tuna you know and to go to prison and suddenly find themselves like on death row um or or, or like scheduled in to be um executed for stealing a can of tuna is is pretty terrifying absolutely i mean they keep uh referring to it as being fried Uh, and it was making me so we're gonna get there but this movie is perfectly perfectly written like you cannot pull a plot hole out of it i don't think Uh, and beyond that there is no villain there is no person i mean apart from the people that actually did it but that's off screen right Mm. there is no person no character that is antagonistic i mean like so I mean, apart from the guy with the $200, but like Lane Smith, who we'll talk about in in a minute, he's playing the district attorney. He's just doing his job. He's super nice. Uh, the judge doing his job, super nice. You know, I mean, like he's, they have their quarrels and whatever, but he's sticking to his system. And even at the end, you know, there's he's not doing anything wrong. Mona's not doing anything wrong. Vinny's not doing anything wrong. Uh, Billy and Stan obviously haven't done anything wrong. The sheriff hasn't done anything wrong. He's he's just doing his job, you know. Like there is nobody in in the movie that is even villainous, um, right? Uh, Who, are you making a face? Who's the villain? What no, are you I, saying? I just have a slightly different view. I I actually think the judge uh, and the the attorney on the other side is it like Lane Smith. Is it Mister Trotter or something like that that he plays? I, th- yes. I th- uh, like the third. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually think, um, I actually think they are a little bit antagonistic, both like both of them. I think they both want him to fail, um, but Lane Smith is a bit more crafty about it and comes across as being kinder. Takes him hunting. Find he finds out that he can have all the files and stuff. It's like, hey, I schmoozed him and I kind of got all the files and it was nice and easy because he hasn't got anything. He's got no information. He's just kind of winging it because as we find out when Vinny arrives, he's only done like insurance cases, right? He, like people mm. have had accidents at work and shit like that. That's the only kind of law, but he pretends that he's been a trial lawyer and he's done this and he's done it for 16 years and his name is gallo and then it's callow and he changes his name so the judge can't really trace him and and stuff and and basically throw him out and they they bring in like a state appointed idiot which they do have at one point but um i actually think that that the judge um because every little thing he does he gets stopped he gets held like held in contempt and so on and so on and he does that 
he does do it because he swears and he says things wrong and stuff like that but there's just this expectation that this is how we do things down here and you're not from down here so i'm going to treat you differently so he does mm-hmm. treat him differently and there's that that antig- antagonistic kind of feel to it so i did actually see him and lane smith a little bit as the antagonists of of the of the film i get what you're saying though i get what you mean like because they're not like like directly like or well they are directly like com- confronting Vinny and stuff like that but they're not like vicious and they're not aggressive and they're not violent and they're, they're, there's no they're not evil with it but they're i think there's an edge of you're an outsider we're gonna when we're not scared of your big new york uh lawyering here we're gonna mm-hmm. show you what we're made of lane smith knows that he's like doesn't really know what he's up to you know he's like they're honest with each other which is good and they hand off this information um but he's like i've got you now that you, you know and he's like i've got this surprise witness coming tomorrow and you're you know it's going to knock your socks off kind of thing and he doesn't tell him who it is and he could have told him who it was and he, he doesn't want to give him that information because he wants him to just be blown out of the water case dismissed your boys are, are going to get fried like you said and the judge is kind of on, i think on his side the whole time up until we start getting you know the expert witness which is mona and so on and so on so that's my thoughts on it that's that's kind of the feeling i have about them yeah i can i can see it i can see it but i think that trotter so lane smith's character is more like competitive because he's kind of like toying with him like oh they're gonna have to admit this evidence you know i'd be worried if i was you you know that kind of thing but then they have those really nice moments when uh, Vinny goes to Trotter's office and Vi- and his and Trotter's saying, you know, I was a criminal defense lawyer and I, you know, I, my conscience got the my conscience got the better of me. I'd rather be putting you know bad guys away rather than defending them. And then Vinny tells his story of how he was arguing a traffic ticket and the judge took like a a shine to him or a liking to him and kind of mentored him and was saying, hey, you'd be a great litigator and you know his son wasn't and 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 trot is like that's a hell of a story that's a great story so i think there's some camaraderie there but i i I can see it i guess with the judge a bit but i also think particularly on you know lots of repeat viewings is that he gets rubbed up the wrong way immediately from when Vinny comes in and the judge says oh you know a little informal aren't you mm-hmm. you know no no uh no necktie no whatever and it's like well okay i guess you know approving an out-of-state lawyer is an informal matter so okay and you know he even references it at the end you know when vin is like you know had any murder cases you know what are the outcomes ah, win some lose some <laughs> this isn't the place to be cavalier you know all of those things it's like he's just used to a certain way but i also agree that he's making a point of he and he states it that out of state lawyers and people from like you know new york in particular view the um view the justice system in alabama as being uh backwards or not being as up to date as the rest of the country and so he definitely is trying to prove a point of saying hey we do things correctly we have a procedure and you also need to stick to that and here's this book i need you to read all of it but i i'd also say that the judge is probably i mean besides Vinny, 
is probably my favorite character um <laughs> and his delivery you know you know the same actor played herman munster right yeah 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 of course yeah which is crazy um his delivery and his accent is so good i mean i can't do impressions like you can i wish i could because i'd just be i'd be doing that voice as my actual day-to-day voice um (laughs) when he says things like you know um you know you won't get any uh special treatment from being out of town uh there is procedure you will do it by the letter of the law you know that it's the way that uh it's just so good like it's so intense but it's also fair. Like I don't know if this is like a generational thing, but I remember there were some teachers and things in school that, not in primary school, in like secondary school, that were a bit more old school. And it's like, no, I have this. Is how this is going to be. And it was just I, I, I don't know. Like a thin line between fear and respect, but. I love the judge so much. And there are certain times later where, you know, like the two Utes and like when uh, Vinny's saying, you know, how many fingers am I holding up? Let the record show he's <laughs> holding up two things. You know, it's like, come on. You know, there's some moments where it's a bit lighter. But, but if the, they hadn't cast him right, the whole movie wouldn't have worked. Oh, absolutely. If, we, if we're getting the judge wrong, this is then it's a bit of a shit show. You know, he's got that kind of presence, authority, he knows the rules he he kind of lays literally lays down the law but this is my courtroom this is how we're going to do things and we're going to follow things my way he even gets annoyed at the bailiff because there's one moment where the bailiff kind of like laughs at something or whatever and he gives them a glare and it's like this is my courtroom you won't do that in my courtroom remember the rules kind of thing you're absolutely right like i completely agree with you that you know he's like he's not outwardly out to get anyone he's not like He's not made a decision. He's not made a judgment on the two boys yet. He's not gone, these two boys are going to fry. Like kind of, mm. you, you might think that about the jury where they have the jurors like, fry them or whatever, you know. But, you know, the jury have already kind of like, well, they're out of towners. They've probably come here. They've killed one of our people. Let's, you know, let's deal with them in the same way. Whereas the judge has not made a judgment at any point. That that I think you're right with that respect, but I do think like the moments with the two fingers, uh, let you know, let the record show that he's holding up two fingers is a uh, here's a little here's a little clue, here's a little hint of, right, of what right, he, right. of what he's doing. And I think those moments, although we we see it slightly differently, like it is great comedy, it's very funny, but it's a perfect moment for Vinny to then go. I'm going to ask the question again, how many things are holding up? But, you know, obviously without assistance from anyone else, you know, without anyone else calling it out. And he just holds up two fingers again and she's like four. And, um, it's, yeah, it's a great moment. It just proves that she's blind. <laughs> Bless her. The, the yeah. poor lady on the witness stand. But, uh, like the judge is such a, a pivotal character, but so many things go wrong when he goes into the office. Like when he knocks over all the chess pieces, yeah. all I, all I think in these moments is just get out just leave just get out you you all you're doing is making it worse for yourself just fucking walk out she's like you know what charge i need the loo i need the bathroom whatever just go because you're just making it awful for yourself but that's what makes it funny that's what makes it great comedy and that's what makes like i i forgot how versatile like joe pesci is so versatile as an actor because we see him in like gangster stuff you know the uh the the irishman you know and, and all of that that he's done recently and you just sort of think he's sort of he, but he like he's pigeonholed. But then when you watch films like this and you watch *Deeper Weapon*, actually he's a great comic actor. Home Alone, obviously, he's he's just very talented. You know, he can, um, 
he can chuck on a, a a voice of being quite commanding or he can chuck on a voice of being a bit of a bit of a clown and and you know he's great and he can do sincere he can do comedy he can do you know scary you know gangster he's he's you know he's got a lot in his armory and it's it's great to see these this kind of side of his performance you know rather than like watching goodfellas where he's just enraged all the time and just wants to kill everyone so yeah, yeah. Think, honestly those two make this film they 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 really they they're like pivotal and as good as as good as like mona is um uh, and, yeah she's she's kind of the one that figures stuff out it's like don't read that book don't read that book but she'd been reading the book all the way along because so basically Vinny is given the book by the judge this is like alabama state law or whatever read it learn it understand it because this is the book that we're this this is the law that we're going to go by this is exactly how things work down here and i work to the letter of the law exactly like you said already and she's like, oh, can I read it? Can I help? And he's like, just do me a favor. Stay away from it. Just at every point, he's like, just do me a favor. Just stay away from it. Just get back off kind of thing. This is this is for me to kind of sort out and fix. But she retains knowledge really well. And she like reads through the book and she understands it. And she, um, when he turns up with the, the box of files and stuff, he's like, oh, I've got all of these. And, you know, he's sharing all the stuff with me. And she's like, it's disclosure, you know. <laughs> uh, and it's just perfect i like literally the combination of of the cast in this film is just fantastic you've got if, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it what is wrong with you go and watch it now stop this watch it come back disney plus yeah or <laughs> or my dad's vhs if it still exists somewhere <laughs> um yeah absolutely uh, she's wonderful in it i mean marissa tomei i think we all agree i mean her whole career she's great she won the oscar for this Oh, did she? Yeah, she won Best Supporting Actress for this. Uh, nice. I think it was quite controversial at the time because it was mm. like, you know, a comedic a comedic role. But she's wonderful in it. Um, the only one thing that, I mean, you can look at a little bit is, there. there I mean, there must be an age gap, like fairly substantial age gap, like maybe, tw- maybe I don't know, 15, 20 years maybe. Between Shall I find them. out? Sure. Joe Pesci, as it stands, is 80 years old. What? That's crazy. So how old was he doing this 30 years ago? So he was like 50. Good for 50. My God. Jesus, yeah. That's crazy. And she is 65. So 15 years. So so, if, so she would have been, what, 35 then? Yeah. It's a chunky gap between them, but I think when you're those ages, it's not. You don't sort of notice it as much. She looks younger as well. My God, yeah, she looks, yeah, she looks younger. I thought she was like in her late twenties, maybe, maybe mid to late twenties. Yeah. Oh I no, mean, all... I misread that. She's not sixty-five. I'm reading the wrong thing. She is fifty-eight. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I read the wrong thing. She was at the sixty-fifth so Oscars. So, <laughs> so there's twenty twenty-two years between them. So he was 50 and she was what then? Like 28? Uh, Yeah, she would have been. What was it, 1992? Yeah. Yeah, so she would have been 28. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, let's just put it out there. <laughs> she's she's, she's easy, easy on the eyes. Yeah, she's she is. <laughs> she definitely is. <laughs> uh, she's a very attractive woman. Yes. E- even and- now. And yeah, and, and but 
obviously, more importantly, super talented. And I mean, there's so many lines. Yeah, you blend, you know. Bet the ti- I bet the Chinese food is terrible. <laughs> you know, all <laughs> yeah. of them. Just like the whole beginning is her asking about Chinese food, just over and over again. Mud in the tires as well, and she's just mud like, in the tire. Oh, the baby, the best line. I can't say it because I'll butcher it. But when she's like talking about the little deer putting down to a brook, and then bam, brains are on the floor. <laughs> Would you give a fuck about the the pants the son of bitch was wearing? Like, <laughs> so good. It's brilliant. So like he's offered to go hunting isn't he and, and he's like are these pants okay for going hunting and that's when she throws that in just like what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> but you know and also what's so good is i'm just thinking about a different moment of when they're they're kind of like they have this like flirty banter i guess uh for lack of better term with the talk wrench about the the leaking we would say tap but they're saying faucet and they're sort of role-playing as if he's the lawyer and put her on the witness stand. And she's saying, you know, it's the same wrench that was used by NASA engineers <laughs> and <laughs> all of that stuff. And, and when it was um, like last calibrated and stuff. Uh, and like, yeah, it's great, great scene. Dead on balls accurate. It's an industry term, you know, all of that <laughs> stuff. It's so good, but there's payoff to it because that that's the setup and then later when she's on the stand re- after she's the reluctant period when she realizes then they go back into role playing it but it's on the stand because they know that they're both on the same page and there's so much of that of like set up and payoff set up and pay- set up and payoff um ah oh, and it, even like the the little the b storylines of the guy with the $200, you know, and it's like, you know, fan it out. Let me see. And then when he eventually does have it and he's in such a rush, he just sort of lunges at him <laughs> and gets it, which is a very like Dom move. I thought, I thought this would be Dom if he was in a rush and needed that $200, you know, <laughs> well, the guy's double the height. So he just leaps, whacks him and takes the money. He's like job done. <laughs> oh, that that whole interaction in the bar is so genius as well. And it's like, Oh, a counter offer that's what we lawyers you know i'm a lawyer call a counter offer and you know the way that he's negotiating it and everything and there's so much great comedy as, as well when uh when Vinny visited visit stan and billy in the cell and billy's asleep and <laughs> stan thinks he's coming to rape him <laughs> basically <laughs> right yeah there's all that because he's just panicking about that the whole time like we're going to be put in with someone else look at like and he's like oh there's there's just bunks it's just the two bunks for us it's like yeah but there's cots there there's like you can see that there's like these you know cots that they can put in as well so a third could join they're going to put a third person with us and they, they they're going to do things to us and you know these sorts of things happen in prison and you know the um, people can figure out the general stereotypes what people say about prison um especially a men's prison and all of a sudden, Vinny turns up to have a conversation with him, and is like, "Like what? Like what? Like why are you so stressed out? Like stop worrying. You know, you just you just got to sit back and relax, and just like let these things happen." And it's just like, "What the fuck?" He's like, but, if it's whether it's me or not, you're getting fucked either way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make this just a quick in and out procedure. You know, all of these like innuendos, but obviously aren't being meant in that way is so hilarious and is uh i can't remember there's the i can't remember what he says to set it up but he basically says something like you know 
you're getting me for free, you know, and whatever, you know. I, and he's just like, wow, that's a mighty ego you have. It's yeah. like the delivery is so good. So good. Yeah, the the relationship between uh, Stan and Vinny frays very quickly uh, and becomes very difficult. And he almost convinces Stan, I mean, almost convinces Billy as well to drop him. Like, let's go with the someone who's done this before, you know, state appointed or whatever, but at least they're a, like kind of a proper lawyer, which is kind of what they're getting at. And Vinny kind of pleads with them and says, like, don't do not do this. Like, let okay, you can let, he says to Billy, you can kind of let Stan do what he's got to do, but give me, just give me one more shot, give me one more try. And then when the state appointed lawyer gets to have his opportunity to, to make his opening statement, he has just the most terrible stammer and can't get any words out and is so nervous uh, and it's just quality again. And that actor has a stutter in real life. Oh, does he? Yeah, not like to that degree, but he does have it in real life. And he found that in real life, after this movie, he found it hard to get work. um, Really? Because people were like... Because I think he could control it, um, you know, for acting and whatever. I hope I'm not misremembering this. This is like (laughs) stuff I'm, you know, remembering from, you know, different places. Uh, but yeah, he found it hard because he was kind of tight cast because people thought that, um, yeah, that maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe it's that he didn't have a stutter, but everyone then thought he had a stutter. I'm going to have to look it up. That would be, um, pretty, pretty awful, wouldn't it? If, um, he didn't get work because people thought he had a stutter, even though he was acting. I mean, it was, it was hilarious. It was the, the way he was doing it. Because you expect him to get up and he's going to give his opening statement and it's like, he's the professional. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden he's just an absolute, uh, like, disaster. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Stan realises he's made a very, very big mistake by uh, taking this guy on uh, and decides uh, uh, eventually to jump back to, to Vinny and let Vinny, you know, represent him. Absolutely. I I might have it wrong. I'm trying I'm trying to look it up now. But um yeah. But either way I know that he found it hard to get to get work after this, uh, because um Yeah, I I'm just looking here. Yeah, I, I know that either way he found it hard to get work after this because either people thought he had a stutter and so didn't wouldn't cast him, um and he either did or didn't, I can't remember. But either way, he got sort of typecast after that. But what I'm also seeing here, just in the uh, cast list, is the grits cook. And that's so good as well. Did you see the menu, which is just <laughs> breakfast, lunch, dinner? And did you see the prices? It was like $2. <laughs> yeah. What I really like about that scene in particular is how much thought they put into what they're going to choose. Like, what are we yeah. going to have? Let's have a look. Mm, let's really, okay, let's really look down the menu. Mm, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to have that. Yeah, okay. and there's just, you can see the workings out in their head. If that's what you normally do when you get a menu, you look at it, you think, what am I going to have? You, you look through all the options and you, you kind of pick one and it is just <laughs> breakfast, lunch, dinner listed exactly like that. It's so good. Such a good moment. Yeah, and it's like the grits cook. Um and, and but what's really really good is that all of these points, all of these touch points, 
are mm-hmm. working into the case. The whole point yep. of it is like, okay, what what is grits? It's corn. Okay, well, what do you do with it? How do you prepare it? And he finds out, like any self-respecting, you know, person from, mm-hmm. you know, this neck of the woods, this, uh, like Alabama, would cook their grits exactly like this, and this is how you'd have it. And this just like works perfectly into the court case when we have the guy who says he was was a witness. And he wear, you know, he normally wears eyeglasses, but only only needs to wear them for reading, and, and that was like a big discovery. But he cooked his grits in five minutes. But we know any self-respecting Southern Al- Alabaman, um, if that's the right turn of phrase, would take twenty minutes. You know, so it's impossible. So, did you make them properly, or what? He's like, I may have got the time wrong. You know, that sort of thing. So. Brilliant. Just instant all grits. Do yeah. the laws of physics not apply on your stove? <laughs> Maybe these are magic grits. Yeah, oh, it's so good. When he like gets into that groove, it's like it's brilliant. It's so good. And that's what we all love. But yeah, absolutely. It goes back to everything that's set up gets paid off. Everything that gets set up is so good. Um, and we've got to take a minute about Lane Smith. So Lane Smith, he's playing uh, Trotter, he's playing the district attorney. Of course, we know and love him as Coach Riley from the Mighty Ducks. His voice is so good. I mean, in the Mighty Ducks, he has some of my best, some of the best lines that I love the most. You know, you're not even a has been, you're a never was. You know, <laughs> so many. Hey, Bombay, I'm talking to you, son. Like, all of that. Like, I love it so much. Like, his voice is so, uh, like, captivating. And he has it in here when he's just like, ah, identical. And he does all <laughs> of the, uh, what does he say? When he's just like, uh, it's not justice. What is it that he says? It's something like that. And he's just like, um, or like verdict or something. He's just like, comes from all our ancestors back in like <laughs> england and whatever it's like he has such a uh it's like his voice is melodic in a way like how a lot of mm. people from like the south in america the voice is kind of melodic and just nice to listen to but he is a wonderful actor rest in peace i mean sadly uh i mean and just with time i guess we've lost him we've also lost uh the judge as well um and I'm sure probably a lot of other members of the cast. Mm. Uh, but Lane Smith, wonderful. You must love him also. Yeah, absolutely. Like whenever I see him, I actually, I, I don't jump to Mighty Ducks. I jump to uh, Lois and Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to watch that. Be busy too, you know. Yeah, we Bosh. should do that one day. Yeah, let's let's smash through that. That'll be, that'll be somewhere, won't it? Be, that would be great. Is it Dean Kane? Is yeah, that his yeah, name? yeah, yeah. He was and great. I used to love that. And Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's give that a go. But I, I used to love that as well. I thought it was fantastic. And he's the he's the chief, you know, going, <laughs> you know, chief, chief needs us. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's the man. And I just read him going, Jimmy, <laughs> whatever, Jimmy. I need you to get pictures of this. <laughs> just send Jimmy out. Like Jimmy's a bit of a turd. Like, get rid of him for the day. <laughs> He's yeah. he's a great actor. I don't know if you remember, but when we had Matt Doherty on the podcast, shout mm. out to like our third maybe episode ever, something mm. like that. You'll find it on the feed back in the archives. Scroll he, people, scroll. Heavy scroll. He was talking about Lane Smith that he worked with. He was like a big theater actor um, as well, and he worked with him, you know, like later in his career, and he was like lovely behind the scenes. So. I love it when you hear that, you know, when you hear that, oh, this person that's like a hero 
in your mind is actually like that in real life so a, de- a decent human yeah exactly yeah. exactly um we should also mention Vinny never gets any sleep um so that's yeah. like a running theme he even falls asleep during like opening arguments <laughs> uh but he also makes a good point of like you know there's no way this wasn't gonna tr- gonna go to trial you killed a good old boy you know it's like <laughs> yeah uh, and in the background the whole time which is so great of reminding us as the audience of the stakes is that you've got norton who's gonna get get given the electric chair um which is just like you know somebody else that's on death row which is basically showing this is their fate if they don't get it and it has such a perfect balance like the movie i mean of that drama and emotion some romance in there between Vinny and mona as well as the the comedy aspects but I know, of course, it wouldn't make you cry, but every single time it makes me cry. Every single time. Like the part when Ralph Macchio is like crying at the end when they get the, when when we finally get to the point where the case has been dismissed. Um, yeah, every single time that gets me. It doesn't really? get you at all, does it? Why? What do you mean, really? Dom, anybody <laughs> listening to this, put it in the comments. Ravens, put it in the comments. Tell... <laughs> validate the fact that i am normal and that he is the one he is the one that has no soul has no heart and basically has no future oh god (laughs) yeah because i'm going to kill you because you're not emotional (laughs) enough well i i i think it's a nice moment it's not a cry worthy moment would Surely. your mum does your mum cry at movies? Like when we cover the next the next film that we're gonna do, so we're gonna go off and do Armageddon soon, right? I can't there's wait. a there's a cry moment in that that I think Absolutely. You, you will cry every time. Well, we'll talk about it when we get there because I think it's important to talk about it. I might cry right, talking right, about it. <laughs> I think I know. I'm, I want to I want to get in with what that scene is before that happens. Before okay. we talk, like I like, let's talk about the cry points. I think this is cry point A B C. I didn't think you'd have any cry points in this film because it's just like what? it's funny. You got them off the death row. Yeah, it's not a cry moment. It's like a yes. That, that does your mum cry at films? I don't think so. I think she is more emotional watching uh, films and programs now in life than she ever was before. Like I think she cries at things now but she never used to okay do you think your mum would cry at that moment no do you does, does your girlfriend cry at films no don't think so i've does, never seen what can i say no wonder you don't cry you were conditioned to not feel emotion <laughs> or i've conditioned them yeah, well, well, okay. But you know what's funny is my <laughs> my dad wouldn't cry at films, uh, but my mum would uh, yeah. definitely, 100%. Would Would you have guessed that of my mum? Uh, uh, maybe, like, the right type of... I, I, again, I don't think your mum would have cried at this. My mum cried... My I, The first time I saw my mum cry at a film was Casper in the cinema. <laughs> I remember turning and my mum I take crying, it all back. And I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and now I would I cry. Well, we did three hours on Casper. I must have said many times in it. I, I was crying but then. <laughs> but, you, but, but you know what that we were doing three hours on Casper. You know what's funny is that all through my twenties, I wouldn't have I wouldn't cry at a film. Hmm. Um, maybe some that are like, you know, sorry, rambling. I, we've, I know we haven't got that much time, and we have to keep going. But I, it's it's like when I 
it's like from like lockdown times really pretty much when we started the podcast i became a lot more in touch with my emotions but wow i'll cry at this every single time i actually well in the movie we're about to cover i could feel not just the tears going down my cheeks but i could feel them just being refilled now you know like <laughs> you know if you cry it well you don't i'm sorry I, let no. me explain when it when a human cries the tears come down and then if you cry again it's like you, the the hairs on your face and little micro hairs have been like dented so it like goes down i mean jeff goldblum would disagree in jurassic park he'd say that's chaos feely you know when you put in there and it goes off and it goes so my cousin Vinny, um we get to the he, he destroys all of the witnesses he basically has the um he sort of turns turns the corner uh, and then we get to he snaps on Mona and she's trying to help and she gives him the pictures and he sees something which is the I think they call it the pause attraction between the the wheels he basically sees that the if it for it to be the Buick Skylark it couldn't have been because the skid marks of the tire tracks wouldn't have been able to be in that uh, order it would have done whatever and so he's able to tell and obviously Mona is able to tell and he gets the light bulb moment he manages to put her on the stand case dismissed wins it and they manage to get out but Mona also helped by faxing his judge friend back in New York to be able to you know corroborate corroborate I can't speak corroborate say it please for me Dom corroborate the story um and yeah, but he's still upset that he didn't win it on his own. But, you know, the point is, is, hey, maybe you turn around and say thank you to someone. And, you know, and they go off into the driving off into the sunset, going to get married, knowing that they bicker. And this is how it is. Wonderful movie. It's the best. Dom. Anyway, anything that we need to add before we sort of give our, our overall ratings? Uh, I don't think so. I just, I, it's just quality. It's just a quality film. Uh, I love this film. I'm so glad that we did it, and I'm glad that it was my choice as well. And that Your you love it so much. Yeah. Your choice. Yeah. You. I was. I'm so happy that you chose it. What a wonderful, wonderful choice. Uh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it is a perfect film. Well, let's just tell us. We when we do our movies, we do two ratings. We do out of ten. We do our subjective rating. What does it mean to you personally? And then your objective rating, film critic hat on. What we got, Dom, out of 10? Um, objectively, I think that's the personal one, right? For, from my no, personal perspective. Sub- subjectively. Subjective, personal, yeah. Subjectively, I, I I think it's a great film. I think it's wonderful. It's not, it's one that is definitely up there for me, you know, as, as in the top 20 kind of thing. But it's not one that I venture to all the time. And we'll like stick on and put on. And like I said, I hadn't watched it for for so long, but I hold it in very, very high regard. Um, so I'll give it for that. I'll give it a seven. Uh, I think it's it's like a decent a decent number. Um, and now for the objective number, uh, it's I think it's a ten. I think That's this, this so wait, you're, that good. You're, you're rating. So you're what it means to you personally is less than what you think it is like as a critic. Hmm interesting okay yeah, yeah. I think the, the the film the film is brilliant it's it's not one that i i lean to and uh, and isn't like a go-to film for me like a go-to watch but i will watch it if it's on i think it is brilliant 
Uh, and yeah, I just think it's so well done, so well put together, and it's fantastic. So yeah, it gets a 10 on that rating. Uh, and what about your ratings? Yeah, I like that. I appreciate that. It's like, yeah, you like it for you, but you respect how good it is. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's easy for me. They're both 10s. Like, to <laughs> me personally, this is like a part of my childhood. This, like, I'm like trying to grab it. This, like, VHS, <laughs> this video was just a the quintessential Gambini. It was like a quintessential part of my growing up and it just feels like my childhood so i'm sure we must have watched it together at some point as kids i i mean dom has like a perfect memory but i'm (laughs) I'm sure it would have been one that it would have been one that would have at least been in the conversation you know we used to put the movies out and we'd get like four movies and we'd be trying to decide between us on the floor like which one i'm sure it would have been in the conversation at some point even if it wasn't selected um and then objectively i just think it's yeah, I think it's perfect. Like, I mm. honestly, I would actually, <laughs> I would judge someone if they didn't think this was a good film. Like, my, ju- I would make an instant judgment of. I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if we're copacetic. I don't think. I'm not sure if we can. I don't get you. I don't understand <laughs> you. <laughs> but we we shouldn't communicate like any. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know if I respect you. <laughs> no, that's. Not- <laughs> that's not true but you know i just this is this is a perfect movie if you haven't seen it in a long time disney plus you can thank us later dom i'll thank you now what a pleasure to have this conversation with you as always where can the people catch us if they want to support and get involved with our shit absolutely you can find us at ravenshoops.net why simon because basketballs go through hoops but they also go through nets, ravenshoops.net. Got loads of stuff on there, loads of additional content that you won't find on our uh, regular feed. Uh, and yeah, you can you know support us a little bit, which would be great. And you can join some groups and watch alongs and all sorts that we do. So yeah, be awesome to have you there. Simon, this has been a wonderful conversation. I love this film. I love you. I've really enjoyed talking about it. It's been been amazing as always and looking forward to the next one. Absolutely, my man. How are you gonna? You gotta take us out of the Ravens chant as the judge. Absolutely. If, if it's not the judge, then it's got to be Trotter. One of them two. <laughs> I don't think I could do either of them justice, though. Unfortunately, um, haha, pun intended. Um, but I'll try. We'll do the Minister Gambini. Uh, we'll go. We'll go from there, and we'll 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 try Ravens from there. It's a little whitey esque, I guess. Um, <laughs> so. Mirstel Gambini on the count of three. Oh, that's a little bit more lane, isn't it? We're going to do Ravens on the count of three. Are you ready? Identical. (laughs) He's ready. Okay. (laughs) We got the one. Uh Uh-huh. Now we got two. Mm -hmm. We're going to go ahead and throw in number three. Fuck yeah. Ravens. Ravens.